This is the EPLOG audio experience. Film is clearly a sophisticated art, possibly the most important art of the 20th century with a rather complex history of theory and practice, writes James Monaco in his book How to Read a Film. So far in our podcast, The Artists, we have had filmmakers, writers, critics, programmers from some of the top film festivals, musicians, thinkers, defining their combinatorial skills. We at Metaphysical Lab have been striving to expand the realm of our podcast, which in turn gives a wider uh, canvas to the understanding of our experiences. And also we have tied up with Epilog Media, the podcasting network. So you can find us on their website, epilogmedia.com the artist and of course you can continue to listen to us on the platforms that you choose from apple podcast to spotify to geosavan to google podcast everything is mentioned in the description and of course you can reach us uh, on the whatsapp number and our email id i'm your host suchita and i'm looking forward to a wonderful journey ahead with all of you One of the major challenges that I face as a creative person is this constant questioning that what am I becoming? What am I becoming every day? What is being thrown at me and how do I react to it? And what kind of values do I add to my everyday existence? How do I sculpt myself? And I think this question of what am I becoming is something that a lot of people, a lot of creative people, you know, uh, you know, must be facing or must be trying to answer themselves. It's like a constant thing that goes on in the mind. And uh, it was like almost like a deja vu that, you know, as I was as I was I was thinking about it, what am I becoming? An answer sort of came to me and it came to me through, you know, uh, one of the social media sites, uh, a post by this author called Adam Grant. Uh, he wrote Give and Take. And he so beautifully put it that um, I'll just quote uh, what he wrote. I'd love to live in a world where people spend as much time developing their character as they do developing their career. What if our moral codes were as clear as our ambitions? Goals without values are empty. Here's to an honorable life, not just a successful one. So goals without values are empty. So what are your values and what are you becoming today? Hi guys, welcome to the 55th episode of our podcast The Artist and I hope you guys enjoyed the snacky episode we posted yesterday. And today we have with us the filmmaker Prarthna Mohan. Prarthna Mohan, she is an Indian who's moved to US and she now lives in LA and her thesis film Turnaround screened at many festivals including Seoul, Portland Women's Film Festival, Davis Film Festival and was also part of Nicole's Screenwriting Fellowship. Her first feature film, The Miss Education of Bindu, has been executive produced by the Duplass Brothers and is currently doing the festival rounds. Hi Pratna, welcome to a podcast, The Artists, and uh, thank you for joining in. And uh, also, I saw your wonderful film, The Miseducation of Bindu, last night, which is like wonderful, wonderful. It reminded me of, you know, this the Netflix uh, audience, which can quickly lap it up. 
Thank you so much. First of all, thank you for having me, Sujita. I really appreciate it. And thank you for watching The Miseducation of Bindu. I really appreciate that as well. But yeah, I mean, I think it's good. Uh, I think it, uh, it's good for more of uh, these kind of stories to be out there. I mean, uh, there are so many high school films um, about uh, non-people of color. You know, there's so many high school films about boys going through puberty and adolescence. So why not uh, more than one uh, high school story about an Indian kid, you know? Mm, totally. Um, so we're hoping, yeah, so we're hoping it's a good thing for us, so keeping our fingers crossed. Totally. So I'm going to be sort of talking more about the Bindu, about uh, miseducation of Bindu, but uh, I just want to start, you know, uh, this conversation slightly digging more into you as a person and you as a filmmaker before you, you know, you before you made, started making your films. So, Pratna, tell me in terms of making film. Filmmaking is a very tough, it's a complicated profession. It's a profession that can cause a lot of trauma and pain in every process that we go through. So, so, so why make films? I don't know. I don't know if I know what else I'd do uh, if I didn't make films. Um, I think from a young age, uh, I love telling stories. Like I was a big, uh, in Tamil, they say Vayadi, which means like chatterbox. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> I've always um, sort of been a talker. And when I was younger, I'll watch a movie and basically enact it to the whole neighborhood. And it, like no spoiler alerts, I'll tell them everything. Mm. Um, and I think it kind of started there and, you know, I've grown up around film. I have, you know, my grandfather was in the film industry. So I really kind of saw um, the transformative um, impact of cinema, which is, you know, for two to three hours, sometimes an hour, you can completely forget about your life and just be immersed in something else. You know, mm-hmm. the suspension of disbelief and just going into another world and seeing the world through some other characters. I always just was the most fun and exciting and the best thing for me ever as a kid it was also a way for me to like uh, it was like a window into the world you know sitting in chennai growing up in chennai uh, back in the day when like there was no netflix and stuff like you know it was vcds and vhs's that you'd have to like hunt down because it wasn't available anywhere i remember like watching movies was a way for me to like understand the world around me and the world that i didn't have you know access to um and that's totally why I make movies. I mean, I don't know what else to do. I think I'm always, there's always a story I want to tell. There's always some character I want to explore. And um, as much as it's absolutely painful, I mean, you hit it on the head. I mean, it is truly one of the most like soul crushing experiences in some ways because of how much work goes into making movies uh, and how many people have to come on the journey with you and believe in it. Um, especially in the indie space where there's very little money and almost no time. Um, it still is probably, I do it again and again. I don't know. If somebody mm. told me today, here's some money, go make a movie. I drop everything and go, you know? Yes. Um, and I think uh, that's what keeps us going. I mean, that's why you make, that's why you make films. That's why I make films. And that's why most people do is that we really feel like there's something inside of us that we want to tell and, this is our medium you know yeah. it's a painful one but that's what it is totally so so tell me uh prathana when we're talking about the kind of stories that we want to tell yeah uh, do you consciously decide uh that okay this is the story i want to tell because 
this is the market for it and this is the audience i want to cater to like for example in case of bindu it was such a clear track but mm-hmm. or visvis do you say that no i mean it is something that's coming from inside me deep inside me and i don't care what the audience is and i don't care who watches the film but this is what i want to say and this is how i want to say it uh that's a really good question i would say that you know it lies somewhere between the two mm-hmm. um i can I, like for instance you know it's hard for me to tell a story that i cannot relate to or not that i can't relate to but that i don't feel a connection to yeah. um i like i like telling stories about complicated women girls yeah uh that's where i find um most of my storytelling like inspiration comes from that uh i like telling stories about imperfect people um because i think we all are imperfect people and that's what makes us beautiful and unique and fun and exciting and crazy mm-hmm. um i think um you know if right out of um grad school uh, i went to film school for graduate school mm-hmm. and um i made a movie that was pretty kind of out there and i remember my professor saying you know partner just go for it because this is the only time you can really make whatever you want because once you start actually making movies and there are people involved you're going to be beholden to like you know your financiers and all these kind of things and that always struck with me and i was very glad that he gave me that sort of tidbit so i just went to town for my thesis film mm-hmm. um but i think i've still maintained some of that and i would say that the, while the stories i like to tell are not typically like commercial stories mm-hmm. i think i'm trying to tell stories for an audience and for a group of people that stories are not being told enough for you know mm. um and i think telling it in a way that's accessible to everybody like miseducation of bindu is about an indian uh, immigrant in high school in america but i think anybody who feels like a fish out of water can relate to what's happening there you know and mm. i think um that's kind of my goal with telling stories is i want to make films about people that don't typically get made stories made about them mm-hmm. but make it in a way that someone who does not have that experience exactly can be like oh yeah i totally get it like that happened to me in some way you know um or it opens up the discussion of like oh wow is it really that bad or is it really like that or wow i didn't know that that's fascinating you know um i think that's kind of a you know the what really excites me to tell the stories of people like you and me yeah. but telling it to a larger audience where we feel, you know where we don't have to be like some sort of esoteric storytelling like we're part of the mainstream we're part of the conversation you know yes um that's kind of the stories i want to tell so yeah i'm trying to fine tune my storytelling so that it can be commercially viable yes. i think at the end of the day to get someone to let, allow you to make something else by giving you money like you have to show that you can make things that are you know relatable and commercial enough but you know holding on to like putting your stamp and telling the kind of stories you want to tell right i'd say that's where i am now right so 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 it's important for and and this is and this you're talking about in terms of a long run you know playing in the long run mm-hmm. that you feel that your film should be commercially viable so that you can tell the kind of stories you want to tell for a longer run exactly yeah cuz that's what's really important is um you know making sure that you are be you're able to continue to make uh content and contribute to the space 
um, without having to like, you know, beg everybody and yeah. your grandma to fund yeah. your next movie, you know? Yes. Um, and for that, the gatekeepers, unfortunately, they still are the ones who make the call, yeah. have to feel that the, your story is universal uh, enough that, you know, that can happen again, you know? Mm. And I, it's unfortunately the case. So mm. I'm trying to find the middle ground between the two where it's not too much uh, for the sake of commercial filmmaking, but also, you know, making sure your movies, like you have an opportunity to continue to tell stories. Right. I, w- I want to sort of talk more about the gatekeepers in a bit. But yeah. before that, I just want to sort of understand that when you guys were budgeting Bindu, um, mm-hmm. did you think of in terms of the recovery angle of the film uh, because i think it's a pretty commercial film and it can appeal to a lot of lot of people out there the students the high school the teenagers it's also nostalgic do you feel that you know you uh, do you feel that a filmmaker should have that in mind when you go out there making a film and think okay this is where the vod or this is the festival or this is this and this is that um I mean, I think because I went to film school, mm. um, that is sort of ingrained in my teaching, okay. like how I've been taught. Yes. So uh, I come from that sort of background. So yes, um, I ha- first of all, we have to, uh, so for the business education I've been through, we raised all the money, we produced the film. Uh, basically, we did it all. And it was my husband and myself. Uh, and then we partnered with another production company in Indianapolis who came in with some of the funding and then we got a lot of private investors. Um, it was the first time for me raising money. And as movies go, it's not a lot of money, but for us, it's the most amount of money I've ever made a movie for. Um, and I am terrible at asking people for money. Like yeah. it's just not a skill I have. Yeah. And neither does my husband. He's a cinematographer and he decided to produce this Lovely. because he was, yeah, he was sick of me trying to make this movie for so long. He was just like, you know what? Let's do this. And I was like, but, okay. But he's, he's is... not the cinematographer for this film, right? For Bindu, he's not. Not for this yeah, movie. Yeah, 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 not for this one. Yeah. Um, he was the producer. And yeah. I always tell him, like, that's when I knew you really loved me because you were like, <laughs> let's do this. I mean, he hates asking people for money. And yeah. he went out there and you know pitched the movie to everybody, you know, conquering his fear of having to talk to, like, you know, lots of you know important people and uh, people who didn't understand what we were doing and all kinds of things and he did it really really well and uh, we were lucky to partner with a really cool uh, wonderful group of folks from indianapolis who are making movies who came in and sort of um you know uh gave a infused the last bit of money we needed for the film uh they're called pegasus pictures and they're really cool uh wonderful people so yeah i mean for us, uh, we thought that that amount of money was the most we were capable of raising. And uh, also we felt like, okay, if we make the movie for this amount of money, we felt like the amount of, if it, if it doesn't go well, you know, yeah. the amount of money people will be out won't be that significant that I won't be able to sleep at night. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I felt like, you know, if we do a really, really good job, you know, the return on investment will be much higher. And that's really where we were going with it. Um, and we learned a lot of really interesting things while uh, raising money, things that really have blown my mind. Mm-hmm. One is the number of investors who basically told us our budget is too small for them to invest, which I was just like, what? But isn't that good for you? Like your opportunity to make back more. In it. But they're like, no, but our, our 
share is too small like we're not interested oh, which is something yes. i never yes. anticipated you know yes um yes that was very eye opening so obviously you know that's something that um uh we will take into consideration next time yes. and it's the same thing when you go to distributors like they want to know you know there's like a different class of distributors that you get as your budget is bigger and bigger so there's a lot of things like that that is very um it was very eye opening for us but um again we based our budget we made up based everything on a pre covid world you know when we made the movie um and uh when we just started doing distribution uh and started talking to distributors was at the start of covid um so we were talking about theatrical uh, theatrical deals how many theaters how often like those were the details we were like going back and forth with distributors about mm-hmm. and then now there's no theaters you know that doesn't yeah. exist that's completely out of the picture so it's just a very different space and now you're like you've got all the you you have all the online platforms and yeah. it's like it's at the same time it's a wonderful time to make content because everybody's home and everybody's watching stuff yeah. but at the same time there's also so much content so who are you going to go to you know so yeah. our strategies have had to change on the fly yeah um and it's all been a learning experience i mean truly like you said and you opened the show with like it's it's very traumatic and very crazy and um very i don't know it's just it's such a wild ride you know and we're still very much in the thick of it so we're hoping to have some resolution on where this movie is going to end up soon right prasna tell me you just mentioned about a lot of lot of the financiers or investors said budget is too small and of course we all face that would you like to sort of give any numbers anything not uh, related to bindu but with your experience that you know, you know when an independent filmmaker is uh, budgeting their film and of course there's there's this question i asked one of the audio podcasts as well with a producer director when uh, when we were talking about budgeting what do you think a figure should look like when you're going to uh, when you're going around asking for money So you know um for us uh for our even even though our budget was small it was too small for this movie that's just a fact like we only man I mean we made it uh, on budget which is a credit goes to my husband because he was really kind of hardcore about it mm-hmm. um but uh it was not enough money even for a movie like this which we filmed in his hometown so we got free extras free locations all these kind of things it still was so difficult mm. um and i i mean i think we could have easily you know done, we could have been much better off with an extra 100,000 or something like that you know mm. um but having uh talked to investors and stuff there were literally investors who wouldn't meet with us if your movie is sub $750,000 like they just don't even take meetings with you and we're like But why would you want to spend that kind of money? I mean, now I know 750,000 US dollars goes in a blink of an eye, you know. Um before you know it the money is spent on like a million things. Um but yeah, I mean, uh if you're make again it all depends on your budget, but obviously like I think the sweet spot is somewhere between 500 to 750 then you have decent production value. Um we ended up filming in Indianapolis where some things were more expensive than filming in LA and some things were far cheaper mm-hmm. um and the th- were cheaper were obviously very valuable and wonderful but the things that were expensive 
were way too expensive. There were things like crew or things like equipment because there was not a lot of equipment in Indianapolis. So we had to go to like Atlanta and all these other places. Yeah. Um, so those type of things added up. So I think, you know, if you're making a movie in the U.S., you have to figure out where you're filming, what kind of network and support you have there. Are there tax incentives? You know, some states have tax incentives. Based on your budget, you'll get some portion of the money re- uh, basically refunded back to you. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of things like that that you could take into account. Uh, for us, it was very important that we made the movie in Indianapolis because um, my husband's family's there and all my nieces and nephews are in middle school and high school. Mm-hmm. And this was like the, the greatest summer of their lives, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, 500 to 750 seems to be the most reasonable place in which you can actually yeah. make a movie. Yeah, true, true. Uh, Prasna, tell me in terms of now the world has transformed, uh, things are not the same when you started making the film. We all sort of are struggling with that. Uh, in terms of your film doing the festival rounds and uh, of course it's getting played. I was just seeing uh, you know some snippets on Twitter as well that it's getting played in London Indian Film Festival. A lot of other places they are organizing the shows tell me when a film goes through a festival round uh, like your film do you think mm-hmm. that's affecting the price point of your film you know if, if you had asked me this question pre-covid i'd have been like no i mean that's the that's the whole point i mean you know we go to festivals and we build an audience we talk to people and we get people excited about the movie and this is like the the only time especially as indie filmmakers you know you get any bob you know like otherwise nobody really cares about you mm. uh because you're not like spielberg or anybody mm. um so you go to the festivals and you actually are, like you know treated like a fe- like a director and it's really <laughs> awesome yeah. um but in the in the covid world i i, I don't really know what the um, what the real benefit of festivals are to be completely honest i mean mm. they kind of are operating as like your distributor because they're distributing your film online for whatever short window there are people watching it but you are not in the greatest thing is when the movie is over whether they love it or hate it it's amazing to be in the audience and see their reactions you know mm-hmm. or hear their reactions and then be part of the q and a and you know talk to people in the lobby and throughout the festival and interact with you know audience and other filmmakers none of that really exists mm. um you know your movie is just playing and you're kind of in the void and then you know people who watch your Q&A will then you know tweet you or something if they really cared about your film which happens all the time um but i don't know it's just not the same it feels very impersonal and kind of sad to be honest <laughs> but um we we did about So we were lucky enough that we actually got to premiere in person. We had an in-person premiere last year in October. Mm-hmm. Um and then we had maybe about five in-person festivals. So we did most of uh now 2019 uh, from October through the end. And then um 2020 was our big year. We had so many big festivals. Um we had one the London Indian Festival was going to have Mark Duplass and all the actors were going to come and we were going to have a whole thing we were actually closing night of uh, LA Indian Film Indian Film Festival and all of that just you know went up in smoke uh, one day um which is you know fine uh but it's been a strange experience i mean i think we stuck around and did most of the festivals that 
we got into because, you know, in the year or so of them getting in and building a relationship with the programmers, then their festival's getting canceled and then them trying to come up with some other alternative plan, you feel somewhat their pain, you know, mm-hmm. um, and you want to support them. So we stuck around with pretty much most of the festivals that we got accepted into. Uh, we took on a couple of new ones after, but mostly we've said no to like a lot of lot of festivals because we don't want to have too much online exposure. Mm. We want to maintain some, you know, eyeballs as they call them for when we do get on VOD or whatever, um, whatever sort of digital platform. So we've had to kind of limit our exposure, but by the end of our festival run, we're going to have been in like maybe 20, 25 festivals, some really good ones. So I feel like we did the best we could under the circumstances we have, you know. Mm-hmm. And now do you sort of uh, uh, foresee in terms of, uh, or are you guys already uh, planning in terms of a direct VOD? Um, to be honest, I don't even know what yeah. it's going to be. Yeah. Uh, because we are uh, being uh, considered by uh, distributors who are basically offering different things. Mm-hmm. Um, like some is direct VOD. Some of them have partnerships with Netflix or uh, Hulu or whatever. And they're like, we'll just send it with all our other packages of films. Um, we're just trying to see like, what is the best case scenario for us? Because what's important to me is I want the most number of people possible mm-hmm. to watch the movie. Yeah. Um, you know, because there's some really, really great performances in there. Like, Megan is so good. All yeah. the other supporting cast are so great. Totally, David yeah. Arquette is, like, adorable. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, you know, I want the world to see all their hard work. Like, our DP really worked hard. Our editor, who came in last minute and saved our movie. Um, all our producers who basically put blood, sweat, and tears into this movie to get it off the ground. I mean, for all their sake, I really, really want to make sure that it is seen by the widest audience possible so we're trying to be hopeful and wait to find the perfect spot you know yeah 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 totally totally uh tell me uh, pratna in terms of like we were talking about the gatekeepers yeah how would you define uh, them you know gatekeepers <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They can sometimes just uh, take the fun out of things. Yeah. Um, I would say there's two kinds of gatekeepers. There's the gatekeepers for you as an artist who either will tell you you're not ready. Mm. Um, and then somebody else will meet you and you'll be like, what? You've been ready all along. Your work is marvelous. <laughs> What's going on here? What's the problem? Mm. Um, and then there's the gatekeepers who actually allow your work to be seen. And, you know, there you're making arguments like, for instance, I think the world can have more than one Indian girl in high school comedy. It doesn't yeah. have to just be one person, you know? Yeah. So it's those kind of things where they're like, really? I mean, does, does the world need more than one Indian girl in high school? It's like, yeah, because it's not, we are many Indians themselves are come in every different sort of variety. I mean, we all are uh, unique in our own way and we all come into this world with our own stories and baggage and background yeah. And we are just as compelling. So don't just give us one in each genre, you know. Yeah. Um, let us tell our stories. So there's a lot of that, you know. There's a lot of that. And, you know, of course, there's that in India. But there's even more of that in the U.S. Because, you know, all the various um, uh, groups 
you know, people of color are trying to get their stories told. And then every one of us are like, um, looked at with the same sort of, um, you know, like brush. They're like, yes, all of you get one story per genre or something. And it's like, what, what? No, no, no. Like there's so many stories. We can be just as universally uh, exciting and wonderful as any other story. So there's a lot of that where you have to convince people that it's worth their while to invest in stories and characters and projects like this, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of, it's, I think it's changing. Right. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of wonderful uh, artists and filmmakers and creators come before us who have been pushing, pushing, pushing and trying to get, you know, the door open wider and wider. But I think at the end of the day, like, you know, I feel like they will pick one person and they'll be like, okay, you can be the voice of a billion and a half people, you know? And it's like, no, they can't. Give us, give us all a chance, you know? Yeah. Um, it's hard, and I'm sure they have their own reasons for why they do things, but uh, there are a lot of gatekeepers that you have to get past. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you can't dodge them as well, so, yeah. You can't <laughs> dodge them. I mean, they come from their own learned experience of the world. Yeah. And what they think works and doesn't work, and I think part of our responsibility is to keep uh, showing them that these stories are worthwhile, keep showing them uh you know that it's good to champion these stories because people will show up for them you know like mm. they said that you could never have a superhero a black superhero and then black panther came and just like blew up the yeah. whole box office True. and would, would um, you want to uh, make a film like black panther in the future oh my god i would love to make a superhero <laughs> mm. Mm. <Maybe>. <laughs> <laughs> but you know in my own way which will have its own like you know yeah sort of twist about what I want to say and it'll probably be about a female superhero. Yeah. Maybe we should just say about a female because most women are superheroes. So yeah. in our own way. Yeah. yeah. True. Tell me, Pratan, your journey uh, of uh, making films and mm-hmm. in your journey of trying to make films, what do you feel in terms of talent and hard work, which I think a lot of people do and have, Mm-hmm. uh versus navigating through uh the whole journey trying to meet the so-called right people and trying yeah. to push your way through and knowing the right people so talent and hard work versus knowing the right people uh how would you weigh do you think that knowing the right right people and getting into the right so-called quote-unquote coterie is important sadly it is mm. <laughs> um it, it's important i mean again it depends on who you are you yeah. know you can be a you can be somebody's something and be mediocre and still get projects off the ground yes but i think women especially mm. and women of color Mm. You have to know how to network. You have to be able to build bridges, never burn a single bridge ever. Mm. Yeah. Because uh, they'll hold it over your head forever. Yeah. Um, and be likable, be smart, um, and be talented. I mean, I think as women, like, I mean, on a regular basis, I see folks who are just so talented, such good writing, such good directing, just incredible talent. But it's like, they're just waiting for someone to see them and be like, 
whoa, that's you're really talented. Come on, let me pull you up, you know. Mm. Um, and it's it's so depressing that that is the entire structure of this industry. You know, I remember. Um, so I, you know, I, I worked in India in the film industry for a while, and then I went to the U.S. Um, and I remember thinking like, okay, I'm gonna go to the U.S. where everything is super structured, right? Mm. Because in India, it's still very haphazard. Like, yeah. you know, there's still not a super like structure to how we make movies, right. but things get done but the u.s they're going they know what's up like it's going to be like clockwork it's going to be awesome so i go to school and you know i was thinking like any other job like medicine or whatever in the u.s like you finish from school and then you'll get a job and then you get a job and then in like two years you'll be directing i mean so naive basically was yeah. what you know the yeah. whole outlook because you start school and then your first thing your teacher tells you is like look around you half of your class will not make it to the end of the program yeah. the rest of you will probably move out of LA before your first year after school and I was like what then I think like yeah I mean very few people can cut it because yeah it is you know because I, you learn quickly about paying your dues yeah you have to pay your dues you have to start from the bottom you have to either PA or production, whatever it is, wherever your field is, you got to start from the bottom. And then you got to you got to network, you know, the, the friends of mine that I know are the most successful are talented for sure, but they can network. And that's really, really important. So I would say it's equal measure luck and equal measure talent, because you can be super lucky and then have nothing to show for it. Yeah. Um, so. Yes. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Um, Pratla, in terms of the challenges and <laughs> challenges of making the film, and yeah. I, I'll not call them exhausting. I'll just call them challenging and keeping it more positive. Uh, <laughs> what is the most challenging part of being a filmmaker? Um, so I would say the most challenging part about being a filmmaker is that you cannot be a filmmaker full time. You have to mm-hmm. have a, another job mm. that pays your bills, right? Um, and uh, and that is a challenge because mm. you know you have to give your other job as much juice and mental energy as you are to make movies. Mm. Uh, for me personally, I will say you know the challenges were, uh, especially with Bindu. So I made Bindu while having a full time job and being a mom. My son was two at the time. Yeah. And uh, you know Cyrus, we live in LA. How Cyrus doing today? <laughs> Just butting. He's doing great. He, <laughs> okay. He's doing really good. Yeah, he's okay. doing. He's doing very well. Okay. Um, and it's it, it you know it's truly. It, I mean, I have so much respect for people who are make movies and who are parents because yeah. I never realized the next layer of complete like insanity of trying to parent and have um, trying to make a like make a movie, which is also like raising your own child. Yes. Um, I often joke that Bindu should have been called Wild Cyrus Sleep <laughs> um, because that's all. That's when I would make the movie. You know, either during yeah. his afternoon naps because yeah. those days he actually used to take those, yeah. or I would put him to bed after work and at about 9 p.m. I would edit with my my friend who was our editor, mm. and we would edit remotely yeah. through Skype and all these things yeah. till like six seven in the morning. Then my kid would wake up. And I'll deal with whatever he needs. Send him off to school, and then I would go to work a whole day. So it was nuts. I, it's it's like the sweetest form of misery, mm. um, because I would take I would do it again in a heartbeat. You tell me today, you're like, hey, Prana, I have this money. You can go make your movie. <laughs> like I will take all the pain in the world to be able to do it. 
Yeah. And then now I would say the challenge of trying to get the movie distribution through distribution has been a little challenging because it is out of our hands. And uh, but I think it made us all stronger. I mean, you know, my husband and I didn't get divorced. Uh, <laughs> he actually would produce another movie of mine. So yeah. I think we're okay. Right. You know? How would how, how would you Pratna if you could po- uh, possibly divide it in a percentage? uh the filmmaking process how much would you say raising funds versus making a film versus uh marketing and distribution 40% of your efforts going to raise the funds 30% introduction and 30% marketing distribution like roughly what i'm you know like like for example yeah okay if you want if you want me to put it in numbers yes i would say uh gosh my math is so bad <laughs> but i'm going to say maybe raising money was like 40% yeah and then trying to sell the movie is probably like taken up like 50% and everything else oh, is in the middle like what are production. you saying hmm. yeah mm-hmm. 50% because for me like act- yeah like actually making the movie was Cake didn't walk. take that yeah. time hmm. you know because we knew what we were doing we went in it was very like surgical we got it done post production was smooth uh it was me and the editor we didn't need a single day of reshoot because right. we knew we couldn't go back to indiana so right. we edited on set like we were very very methodical yeah but the two areas that i have no control over is just like a saga you know it's just going on and on yeah true <laughs> and true. it's like true save so, me from this <laughs> so so you're saying 40 10 and 50 that's like wow yeah that's probably what i will say that has extreme mm, as process has been yeah. because to me the making of the movie feels like a blink it just happens yes it just happens true right right do you plan your trajectory pratna do you say that okay this is where i am this is where it's next or do you like keep it free flowing i wish i was planning it better yeah okay <laughs> um I have a general idea of what I want to do right. uh, and where I want to be. Right. Um I think I got there a lot slower than I anticipated. Right. Um but I think that's what you get when you're in a country where you don't know anybody and you're right. basically like a stranger, you know. I was I was a foreigner in this country trying to like do some hard things. Um and I think that may have slowed things down a little bit. Right. Um but I think probably now i feel i mean it's such a game changer from when you have like a collection of short films and you know you're writing things and whatever to like when you have a feature film you know mm-hmm. it's just it just puts you on a different it opens up such different kinds of doors right. uh feels almost like you know other people take you seriously because you've been through hell and back they're like okay right you deserve 5 minutes of our time come on over you know right um they also trust that you know what you're doing because you could tell a story or whatever right um so i would say uh maybe i have a better idea of maybe where i'm going now but you know it's been about 10 years since i finished a grad school right. i spent a lot of time focusing on my career which was not making films directly but i was writing and things but you know i did i have another job yeah um but i think i'm finally in a place where i feel like I can say I'm not just letting waiting for it to happen. Mm. I have enough people in my corner that are trying to make my path with me, you know. Right. Um which is a truly new experience and I'm very grateful for it. Um but again it's it's it, that's what I've realized in this industry is 
somebody needs to sell, tell somebody else that you're worth their time. You know, right, like right. nobody actually watches your stuff. Nobody actually reads your stuff. They all just listen to the person who they trust that you're okay and you, you're which worth is so, working with. Which you know? is, is that right? Is that right? Oh, it's a complete horseshit. Sorry, I'm allowed to say that. Yeah. It's totally not okay. It's exactly. That's just not the way. Uh, yeah, it's completely it's not like, okay. It's like because everything is functioning on a recommendation, you know, so... 100%. which is so, 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 so maybe somebody who does not want to get recommended or is not a very outgo- outgoing person might just get sidelined in the process 100% those people have to be like a singular talent that is irrespective of everything that they're trying to do to sabotage themselves yes. their work is so is speaking volumes and those right. people exist and you know what kudos to them like they are true magnificent talents right um uh, but the folks that i've seen that can balance all of this are the people who can do both right um and that's 100% what i've also seen in the uh, festival uh, world exactly um because once you start getting into festivals we got invited to festivals that i don't even think they ever watched our movie yes you know and yes. i'm like what because someone else saw it and said it was good and they were just take their word for it you know right um and it's a lot of that it's just like a cascading handshake scenario where if the right person doesn't start you off you're doomed basically exactly um and it's frustrating and you know anybody who's listening to this and who's a young filmmaker yes. who is frustrated by this process yeah. just know that often when you get a no it's not because of your work or your talent it's just yes. because you didn't fit whatever world view this person has or whatever their you know their agenda is in their career it just didn't fit that you know yes. that's what i will call on it's very little to do with you per se exactly and i think i think i think the gatekeepers slash maybe the curators as well should consider this in terms of this whole the chain of recommendations which can actually doom the whole process for yeah. uh, you know this this is i think this is something that needs really needs to be sort of pointed out yeah absolutely and because like i've like i follow a lot of people who are either like a little bit ahead of me in their path or like starting with me yeah and you i always try to see like the people who like get their sundance or south by southwest or something yes they have been in the industry doing things way before they made that first movie they've been exactly. programming they've been shaking hands and doing things they're in the they're in the world yes. so when your name is there and you there you get the gen- the warm hand off you know someone is like i know such and such person mm, we're going true. to campaign this movie you know yes, yes. and going out of it like blind as a nobody it's hard i mean we yes. were lucky we got the duplass brothers names on our movie like yeah. that's huge yeah. and it's been a helpful but you know it's hard it's really really difficult it's very but, difficult yeah We should continue doing it. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about do you worry that in this era where content is like every microsecond we see a new content do you yeah. worry that your content or film might just get lost in the process? You know, I don't worry so much about it getting lost to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think you I think if you make something that is engaging Right. It's going to find an audience. Right. I just feel more concerned about your ability to actually make the thing. That is what actually mm. worries me more. Right. Because um 
everybody is kind of like pigeonhole you in like you tell this kind of stuff you know yes and yes. it's like you know and then like one of the things that i'm actively trying to do is like i love high school i love young adult stuff like yeah. that is my i love that age it's so complicated and wild and wonderful mm-hmm. i will make movies or stories that space any day of the week yeah. but i also want to do horror i also want to do sci-fi right. i want to do all these other genres that i'm very 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 passionate about so i'm trying to write things in that area right. while i might be considered for stuff that's maybe what is in my reel or whatever right. but um you know that's my thing is that someone telling me that i can't make the thing is more of a concern for me right. than if i make it and it's in the world like you know we'll sit all day on you know social media and beg everyone and they am out to go watch it um but i don't know right. the it, it, not being able to not make something is far more keeps me up at night way more than the other thing yeah mm-hmm. true true absolutely pratna thank you so much for your time that was like a great conversation we are touching almost an hour and i can actually go on and on you know <laughs> <laughs> thank you sachin that was really wonderful and it was nice to be able to talk to you candidly uh, about making movies because I feel like, you know, we're on the same page about yes. a lot of these things. Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay guys, that's that and I hope uh, that was a value adding episode. Uh, see you guys next week, but I hope you got sort of uh, some great pointers from this episode. One being of course, need to answer this to your own self that why do you want to make a film and uh, what is the kind of story that you're choosing to put out there so out of out of out of raising funds production of the film and the distribution actually what pratna divided was absolutely accurate it it is uh, 40 10 and 50% that goes into uh, the making of the film so actually the making of the film is only 10% but the raising of the funds and the distribution part of it takes the major chunk of it and of course the gatekeepers and see how can we dodge them and we cannot dodge them and the chain of recommendations that goes through everywhere how does it affect a creative person and is there an alternative to it is there any other alternative to it if there is no recommendations how would a film get discovered more on that and i'm going to leave you guys with this thought provoking post that came to me again and this is a story between the tiny dragon and the big panda and the tiny dragon is sitting on the big panda and the big panda asks that which is more important the journey or the destination and the tiny dragon says is the company may you attract great company in this journey to your own self have a great weekend I would just like to add that the story of the big pan the tiny dragon is by the creator James Norbury and you can find him on his website jamesnorbury.com